Good morning, Harvest. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be uh, filling in the blanks today. And uh, literally, you've got the notes there. You can fill in the blanks. And uh, figuratively or realistically, we're going to uh, be filling in the blanks because we are. Every day, with the choices that we make, we're filling in the blanks that we're going to be talking about. Uh, maybe um, when you were in school, you got uh, notes and, and you had all the blanks. I don't know why they did that, just to keep you interested or something. If you're like me, you get bored really easily. And so I would go ahead and try and fill in all the blanks before they even got there and uh, see if I got it right. And of course, sometimes you have to kind of scribble it out and redo it. And um, if Mark and I are at a seminar together and we're both filling out the blanks all ahead and uh, we see who gets the most right and loser buys breakfast. And so I go, oh, well, right, I, I'm going to pig out. And she goes, you know, it does come out of the same budget. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to fill in the blanks and we want to do that uh, today. And so um, you've got that first one on your notes there. Let's fill it in together. If you are in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, you've got the answers. But uh, let's just uh, fill in the blanks. Uh, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I gave you those first two because they're not really obvious. And so let's say that together. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you have that? Let's say it again. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's take it off of there and see if we can do it with, uh, without. Okay, now, now here's the test. Uh, let's say it together. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. Now you've memorized scripture. I hope that that rings in your head and in your heart all through the, the week ahead. We're going to repeat this several times. But really, uh, what we're really looking at is we're filling in those blanks um, actually with our lives. Um, it's quite a mission statement, isn't it? It's a, a motto. Many people have adopted this uh, phrase as their life verse or their life motto. It's pithy. It's concise. It's just 12 one-syllable words. The biggest one is Christ. Um, perhaps you could shorten it and just say, uh, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And so that's a, a great motto to live by. We're all filling those blanks in on a daily basis moment-by-moment moment basis. Uh, somehow, to live is something, and to die is something. Both of those are important. Uh, sometimes what we fill in the blank, what I'm willing to die for, is really what makes life worth living. And so, both of those are important, and we're filling them in uh, as, as we go along. And I, I think our hearts, my heart, is I would like to fill those blanks in the way that Paul did. I, I really want to be able to say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But uh, what does that look like? Am I really filling the blank in that way? Is, is that what my life looks like? Well, sometimes we can uh, kind of test ourselves on that by filling in a different blank, by asking the question a different way. So uh, think about this one. Um, if I just had blank in my life, it would be better, more fulfilling, more meaningful, or happy if I just had that. What are you putting in that blank? Because that's a little different question, but it's really the same question, isn't it? What am I putting in the blank? For Maybe for you, it's money. A mon if I just had more money, if I just had security, if I just had a baby, if I just had a car, 
if I had a really good K car. Do you remember K cars? Some of you don't even know what a K car is. If I had a better car. If I had a Mustang. Yeah. Oh, how about a house? If I just had a house, if we could just afford a house, it, my life would be better, more fulling, uh, fulfilling, more me. Even if I had to mop out the basement, I did. If I had a job, if I had a better job, that brings us back to more money, more security. If I just had my health, then my life would be happy. These are serious things. If I just had my soulmate, if I just had a nicer soulmate, <laughs> Right? Here's a shorter version of filling in the blank. If only blank. If, if only this is, sometimes this is a regret. If only this hadn't happened. If only I hadn't made that choice. This is living life in the rear view mirror, right? And so what, what do you put in your blank? We all have those things that we put in our blanks. For Paul, it was Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. Now, the truth is, if you've been around here for a while, and you should know this, if I have Christ in my life, then I have the very life of Christ. F.B. Meyer said it this way, Christ is the essence of our life, the model of our life, the aim of our life, the source of our life, the reward of our life. Think of the prepositions that express relationship. We live in Christ, for Christ, by Christ, through Christ, and from Christ. He is the beginning, the middle, and the end of life. He is truly the Alpha and Omega, the A and the Z, and every letter in between. My identity is found in Him. He is my righteousness. He's my hope. He's my peace. He's my life. And if I just had blank, my life would be better, more fulfilling, more meaningful, and more happy. Come on, don't leave me hanging here. Are you not the same way? Yes, I have Christ. But if I just had something more, well, that's what we want to talk about. This brings us to uh, the most practical level of life, the, the level of my lived theology. You see, I know what I believe, um, and I know how I live. And sometimes there's a gap between what I believe about Jesus and what he's done for me and how I'm actually living. And uh, today we want to see if we can bring that gap a little bit closer by uh, looking at how can we really live for Jesus Christ. What I value is defined by the choices I make, the things I really believe and act on. And so um, I really am filling in the blank. Whether I actually attain it or not, I'm filling in the blank. So often it's the big three, right? Do you know what the big three are of the filling in the blank? We see this all around us in society every day. Money, sex, and power. Those are the three things. People, we look around, we just see people filling their lives with these things. And, and we know that that's not going really anywhere good for most of them. And yet, uh, that's what people do. So for most people, filling in the blanks looks like this. For to me, to live is self. And to die is fearful, unknown, dark, and terrifying loss. No wonder we have an epidemic of anxious, fearful, despairing people Let's be honest, some of them are us. We wrestle with these things. To go back to Paul's statement, the first blank was uh, for to me, to me, 
to live as Christ because Paul wasn't claiming that every follower of Christ he was writing to was living the same way he was. Uh, we're committed to the same things he was. He said, to me, to me to live as Christ. Each of us here today has to wrestle with those first two blanks, don't we? What's true for me? To me, to live as Christ. Is it true? To me? Uh, we're, we're going to get to decide uh, uh, right now and as we leave and in the moments and the days ahead by the choices I make, I am filling in the blank and I get to choose and you get to choose. What am I putting in the blank? What am I putting in the blank? Let's pray. Father, as we approach this a very important statement of Scripture. Lord, that um, so many of us have adopted and, and so many of us would like to really say to me to live as Christ. Father, we are uh, standing before you and we have sung that you know all things. Nothing is hidden from you. You know our hearts and you know the choices that we've made and you know the things that we are even determined in our heart to do when we leave here. Lord, you know. And Father, we just confess that we fall pretty short of living Christ. And so, Lord, as we look at this, I pray that you would come to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, enlighten us, help us to understand this, help us to get a good grasp on it. And then, Father, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would you live your life in us? For me to live is Christ, Lord, uh, Christ in me. And so, Father, as we uh, think about these things, as we seek to apply them to our hearts and our lives, as we leave this place, uh, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us to make these things true for each of us. And so we commit this time, and Lord, uh, we're, we're asking that that would be the result of being in your word today. And so we give this time to you. Uh, asking that you would use it to work in us. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So what I put in the blank, uh, first of all, you probably didn't get this blank. I don't know what you put in there. Have you already filled it out? Um, well, let me give you the answer, and then you can scribble out what you wrote and write this in. Uh, what I put in the blank reveals my identity. It reveals my identity. Identity is very important. Um, when I say to live is Christ, I value being identified with Christ, with living out his life, with representing him in every way and everything. This is really talking about my union with Jesus Christ through faith. And so uh, as a father, I want to uh, exemplify Christ in how I father. Uh, as an employee, uh, I want to exemplify Christ in how I work. And so we're talking really about uh, not uh, to live as Christ. doesn't mean I go live on a mountain somewhere and don't do anything but kind of be Christ. I, I am Christ wherever I go. And so uh, he is central to everything that I do. And so that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about uh, identity, our union with Christ. We just celebrated that with the Lord's table. And uh, we celebrate that with uh, baptism. Next week, we're going to have baptisms. And uh, that's a beautiful picture. Um, by faith, I'm united with Jesus Christ. And uh, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he came uh, so many years ago and, and walked around on the earth. And you go like, oh, that was really great. Um, and he died on a cross and, and was uh, buried and raised again. We believe this, that he was God in the flesh and that he died in our place and then was raised again. But by faith, at some point in my life, when I trust him as Savior and I call on the name of the Lord, um, 
I am somehow united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so that it is just as if I was with him on the cross and in the grave and raised again to walk in newness of life. It's a reality that somehow I'm united with him by faith. And so that now I walk in as a new man in the life of Jesus Christ. That's by faith. And so we call on the name of the Lord. And that's what most of us here believe. And that's what most of us here have done. And that's what most of us here are staking everything on. That I'm united with Jesus Christ. And so that one day, when the day comes that I'll stand before God, and God says, why should you live with me for eternity? I can say, uh, because Jesus Christ is my righteousness. Because uh, I have the life of Jesus Christ. And I have that right now. I have eternal life given to me. And so that I'm living eternal life right now. I don't have to wait until I die to get eternal life. I have eternal life and I'm walking around and I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know. Maybe I, I hope I don't get hit by a bus, but uh, however it comes, uh, I am just going to step out of this body into the presence of the Lord and I'm going to keep living eternal life. And that's our hope as believers in Jesus Christ as Christians. And so my identity is in my union with Jesus Christ. And uh, that's the life I'm living. But listen, uh, we got a problem here. There's some identity theft going on. You may not realize it, but uh, uh, the, the world system and my own flesh and, and Satan are, are trying to push me back into my old identity and live uh, the old way that I used to live. And, and I have to remind myself, in, in my old family, that's the way we used to do things. But in the new family of Jesus, we don't do it that way anymore. I have a new way of living. And, and my identity needs to be expressed. But the, the world seeks to push me into the old ways. And if I'm going to uh, live as a believer, then I have to come to terms with the fact that, that uh, I need to be aware that there are competing values for my heart. Uh, Paul talks about this in uh, chapter 3. If you look over in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Paul writes, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Uh, what example is that? Uh, to me to live is Christ. Paul says, hey, walk this way. There's a new way to live. I want you to live this way because of your identity. But he says, for many of whom I have told you often and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Notice this phrase. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame who mind, with minds set on earthly things. You think, well, I, I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm, those are, those are, I don't know who those people are. But apparently, Paul was talking about people that were actually in the church. He's talking about some of us. And he's saying, hey, listen, there's some identity theft going on. There's competing values. It says that they're living, their God is their belly, their empty place. And that's a euphemism for our heart, for, for the longings that are inside each of us. And we have these competing values. I, wanna, I, I have all these desires that I want to fulfill. And Jesus says they're fulfilled in me. You need to be satisfied in me. But we can so easily be turned to trying to fill in the blank of my life with all these competing values. And so let's think about um, where do those competing values come from? Uh, we, we need to think about that. Well, let's just think about this. We're all influenced by things. Think about social media for a minute. Now, I'm not on Facebook. I'm so glad I'm not on Facebook. Don't look for me. I'm not there. 
And, uh, but I am on Twitter. And uh, we scroll through that, right? We just click, 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 click. Like, how, how can so many people have tweeted so much stuff and I don't even follow that many? And it's just like constant. And I, so I'm, have you ever thought as I'm scrolling through there and looking at all that stuff, have you ever thought about the influence that it's having on you? What values am I seeing? What values am I seeing there? In all the things that I look at, the, the, the advertisings and the movies and the television. And do, does anybody watch television anymore? Is that a, still a thing? I don't have one. I'd, so is, all the things that are pouring into us have an influence. Have you ever thought about what values, what values am I picking up from all of that stuff? Uh, Jeremy Pierre said this, talking about uh, all the influences coming at us. He said they are constructed realities creatively displayed, capturing our imaginations. Think about that. Think about the last movie you saw. Every movie has a message. Every advertisement has a message, and it's not just about the product. It's a lifestyle and a way and a thing, and, and constructed realities creatively displayed, capturing our imaginations. Capturing our hearts. Our values are shaped in so many ways. Think about this for a minute. Um, how powerfully they can be shaped. Uh, perhaps through trauma. Uh, you have a traumatic experience and it shapes your values, your understanding of life and what you're trying to fill that blank in uh, so powerfully. Um, particularly if uh, you had experiences uh, when you're younger and you're more impressionable and you don't have the breadth of experience of life. And what happens to me as an adult has a much different effect on me than what it might have had as a child. And things that don't impress me much now uh, impressed me a lot back then. And um, how powerfully those experiences have shaped my values. Uh, how about through exposure? How often are the variety of voices? I hear it here. Everybody's saying, everybody says that. And my values are being shaped how? By, 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 well, everybody says it's that way. Um, or how about this through volume or loudest? How much? Over and over and over. I hear this. I listen to this song again and again, and the song has a message. And pretty soon I find myself thinking um, just that way. And so I, I, I invest myself in pouring that message into my mind over and over. It's interesting. I heard a guy talking about uh, music. And so he was challenging uh, young people about the kind of music they listen to. And they go, well, no, 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 no. We don't really listen to the words. We just like the music. So he said, okay, well, try this. He started uh, saying the lyrics. And they all knew the lyrics. He said, I thought you didn't listen to the lyrics. I thought you just liked the music. He said, if you really like the music, here's some Christian music with Christian words. How about pouring that into your heart and your soul? Because you actually are listening to the lyrics. Here's some questions to ask myself. What is valued by my environment, by my culture? What are the things that I'm picking up and picking up and what is influencing me? What are the things that I'm hearing and, and seeing? What's a, essential to a person's value? What is my understanding? What, uh, how has my sense of self, my value as a person been shaped both positively and negatively? Um, you know, discipleship is just a continual, uh, a continual uh, process of challenging the values that I have with the truth of Scripture. 
and, and changing my values to be those of Jesus Christ. So my sense of worth or value and what I value needs to come from my relationship to Christ. My identity is in him and I'm therefore secure. I'm loved. I'm valued. I'm safe. I can fill in the blanks with Jesus Christ and his purposes for me, not trying to fill the empty place of my life with the stuff that my culture says or my family said or that person said or what I feel like, what my flesh wants, my values. What I put in the blank reveals my identity. Uh, secondly, what I put in the blank reveals my intensity. You didn't think that was coming, did you? It reveals my intensity. Um, when uh, we read in Paul's statement, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, that for relates back to the verse before what he just wrote. And what he wrote uh, was this in verse uh, 21, uh, 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so Paul here is, is talking now about how he's actually going to uh, live out the values uh, of, of his, um, to live his Christ, his identity. How intense is he going to be in living out his intensity, well, uh, of, of his identity? Well, here's the intensity of his passion. He says, this is my eager expectation and hope. Now, it's not just an expectation, and it's not just a hope, it's not just a confidence, it's an eager one. Paul eagerly, have you ever been eager about something? I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait for this to come. I got tickets. It's going to be so great. My eager expectation and hope is this is going to be so cool. And Paul says, I live every day that way. It's my eager expectation and hope that Christ will be honored. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. He says this, um, that without shame, but with full courage, if you live that way, not at all ashamed. I just heard uh, very recently about a man and uh, he, God asked him a question. He goes, hey, how come, how come when you're at work, you don't thank me for your food like you do at home? And he said, um, uh, I, I'm ashamed. He says, well, I want you to do that from now on. Now, I don't know what God says to you, but God said him, to him, I want you to thank me for your food at work like you do at home. And so he said, I started off doing it like most Christians. <clears throat> you know, just kind of rub your forehead and just say a little prayer. And, but after a while, he says, I, I got better at it. And so I just started doing that. And after a while, you know, you can get a little bit of flack about that. So, hey, what? Hey, are you okay? Yeah, it's, hey, 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 he's, he's saying thank you for his food. He does that. And after a while, you know, uh, people say, hey, shh, shh, shh. Hey, he's saying thank you for his food. Yeah, he does that. After a while, people come, come to him and say, how come you do that? He says, uh, I'm a believer in Jesus. And he told me I should say thank you for my food. He's he give me so much. Said, oh, that's cool. Well, so-and-so is a Christian. How come they know that? Well, they, they just do it differently than me. Well, after a while, they come to him and say, why do you do it that way? Well, God told me to. I, I just want to honor Jesus Christ. And that's what the point is, right? The, uh, the intensity of his passion um, focused on the intensity of his purpose to honor Christ. That word honor is, is about eight blocks long in Greek. 
And uh, it's a word that means to magnify, to lift up, to make much of. And so the question is, am I making much of Christ? Is, is, uh, is my intensity in living out the life of Christ to make much of him? Without shame, with full courage, am I making much of Jesus Christ? Or am I ashamed of him? And uh, to honor Christ, he says that now as always, Christ will be honored. Think about this then, the intensity of his practice, the intensity of his passion is an eager expectation and hope, no shameful courage. The intensity of his purpose is to honor him, the intensity of his practice um, in my body. With the things that I do and the things that I say, I want to make much of Jesus Christ without any shame. Is that, is that how I'm living my life? We're getting very practical now here, aren't we? We're getting very purposeful. We're getting very real about what I say and what I do. And let me just say this. If you're honoring Jesus Christ, and when you're talking to somebody, um, if you're honoring Jesus Christ, then you're probably honoring that person. Right? If it honors Jesus Christ, if what you're doing to a person or even with a person is honoring to Jesus, it's probably honoring to them. But let me just tell you, even if you're doing it with someone, if what you're doing is not honoring Jesus Christ, it's probably not honoring to that person either. And so if you really want to respect people, make sure it honors Jesus Christ. That's what will fix the Me Too movement. Am I right? If it's honoring to Jesus Christ, it will be honoring to her, to him. And so let's, let's make sure that we're doing that. The intensity, how I fill in the blank, reveals the intensity. How much do I value honoring Jesus? Is it more important than my reputation, than getting my way, than my interests? Paul gives an example of Epaphroditus here in chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. He says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. Let's cut to verse 30. For he nearly died for the work of Christ. He nearly died for the work of Christ. Um, that's... that's Intense. That's intense. Well, um, let's go to this. What I put in the blank reveals my integrity. So my uh, identity is what I value. Um, my intensity is how much I value it. And my integrity is how well I value it. Paul writes this in verse 22. I'm kind of describing. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. This is an interesting contrast that Paul sets up between living and dying, isn't it? Um, we we uh, uh, live in a death culture where people are giving up and, and choosing death as a way out of hard circumstances. I'm not downplaying how difficult things can be, but uh, that is not what Paul is talking about. He uh, sets up this contrast. He's very realistic, isn't he? Um, our life is but a vapor. Um, it is coming to an end. Uh, some of us appear to be closer to that than others, but none of us has any guarantee of tomorrow. We all know of people whose lives were cut short before they realized it, before they saw it coming. And, uh, you know, that, that troubles a lot of people. 
That should not trouble us as believers. We're able to face the realities of these things without fear. And, and that's what Paul is talking about. And so let's uh, take a quick look about his integrity, about living out to live is Christ. Um, it encompasses both living and dying. It's all part of being in Christ. And so it's really important that we get a handle on this. And so he says, first of all, uh, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Paul is saying, I'm, not, I'm never giving in. I'm never giving in. All those competing values for my heart, I'm never giving in. Um, what, what, if I'm going to live, it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to make a difference. I'm part of something bigger than myself. And I'm going to live it out in a way that honors Jesus Christ. And one day, uh, I'm going to be able to look back and see how it all fit into his plan for me and for those around me. I'm going to see how my influence was used by Jesus Christ for his glory and I'm a part of something bigger, and that's why I was created. And I'm never going to be so happy and fulfilled as when I'm actually fulfilling the purposes of Jesus Christ. And you go, really? Really? Well, listen, that's, how, that's where Paul lived. Paul was filled with joy, even though he went through all these desperate circumstances. Uh, Paul uh, knew about this. He, he uses Timothy as an example of this. I hope in the Lord Jesus, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him. Nobody's like this guy um, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Uh, he's going to live for you. Verse 21, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Not Timothy. Timothy was seeking the interests of Jesus Christ. What were the interests of Jesus Christ? That he would go and serve, serve those. I love that saying, you know, we're here to serve others. I love how we turn that around on ourselves. If we're here to serve others, why are all the others here? Right? <laughs> Don't we live there? Oh, they're here to serve me. Um, no, no, no. Uh, God has a purpose for you. We're to, the, the one another's of scripture. He wants us to be in this community and serving and, and, and helping one another. We don't have to do this alone. That's um, so important. How about this? He uh, gives in chapter two, verses three to eight, the very example of Jesus Christ. Um, listen to these words. Uh, how, do, how should you live? How is living out the life of Jesus Christ with integrity? If, if I'm having fruitful labor, what does it look like? Well, it looks like this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, but emptied himself uh, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, what does it look like to live the life of Jesus Christ? Well, how did he live? What's God calling me to? Uh, here's another passage that talks about fruitful living. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8. For this very reason, make every effort. It's not easy. Did, did you hear me say this was easy? I, I didn't say it was easy. Peter says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if 
these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sets up this contrast between living and dying, but he's talking about living with the reality of this world and, and with uh, death. Um, he's not talking about giving in, and he's also not talking about uh, giving up. He's not talking about giving up. And uh, we, uh, when Paul goes on to say, um, in the next verse, he says, I'm convinced that I'm going to stay here and keep working for you because that will be more necessary for you. He says, in God's great program of how I'm to live my life out, he says, I'm pretty convinced I'm going to get out of jail and keep hanging around. But he recognized the reality of the shortness of life. But, but he doesn't have a fascination with death like in our death culture. Paul wasn't talking about cutting and running or just giving up. This is not an act of despair that's so unlike our world and our culture where people just say, if I can't have what I think I want, I'll just give up. The message that's out there is that unless you have it all, life isn't worth living. And even if you have it all, life probably isn't worth living. And when you get it all, the pressures on you to maintain it all are going to kill you, and they do. We live in a culture where death is seen as my ticket out of here, and more and more people are taking it. It's not just uh, through death, though, we, we, we give up on marriage. We quit school. We quit work. We don't keep our commitments. We quit trying. We quit attending. We quit church. We quit living. We just quit. Sometimes we quit through suicide. That's something that we need to talk about. People that are just so desperate, so living in such a black place with no purpose and no understanding of what God wants for them that they just uh, give up and quit. And it's a very permanent solution to what's usually a very temporary problem. Uh, but more and more, it's the solution of choice for people who have no purpose. And we need to talk to them. We need to talk about this. We need to ask each other, how are you doing? And where are you at? And, and what are you thinking about that? And we listen, need to listen with empathy. And, and yes, there are answers. We need to be careful about just giving them quick answers. We need to make sure that they are heard, but we need to work so hard at not being isolated. Um, we do need to talk with them until they get a new, wider perspective on their life. And, but can I just be honest with you? The real answer is Jesus Christ and his purposes for them, his life in them. And our young people need to know that God has a purpose for you. They need to know that they can live the life of Jesus Christ and he'll live in them and live it out. And he has a purpose and they, have, they can be a part of something bigger than themselves and, uh, and, and have meaning to their life. And that's how it was with Paul. Eternity is rushing upon us. Um, so we need to ask, what am I living for until I die? For Paul, death was not a way of escaping trouble, but a confidence in the reality of the reward. Living this life for Jesus Christ is worth it because there's a reward. It is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Not because I'm cutting out of here, but because God promises whatever he asks me to go through, however difficult, however hard, he'll go with it through me. He'll be with me. He'll give me strength. And then one day, he's going to make it worthwhile and reward me for it. And that's where Paul was living. Um, John R. Rice was a, a, a preacher from a long, long time ago. And uh, he was preaching in a community and uh, he was preaching against gambling and saying these, these fulfilling the blank, filling in the blank with these things are never going to bring you satisfaction. And the people that were running the gambling and making their money off the gambling didn't like that. And so they were sending him death threats. And he goes, you can't threaten me with heaven. To die is gain. To die is gain. And we're not looking for an early exit. But our hope is that when it comes, to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So when I fill in the blank, it reveals my identity. If my identity is in Christ, how I fill in the blank reveals my intensity. Am I really committed to honoring Jesus Christ with the very acts of my life? And it reveals, um, it reveals my integrity. Am I bearing fruitful labor? Am I living for Jesus Christ? Am I, am I taking the truth of God's word and applying it to my life to get rid of those old earthly values? Am I changing my value system uh, it to be uh, lined up with God's truth? And am I living with the hope that one day um, God is going to say, hey, that was a great job. Thank you. I'm so glad you trusted me. So I'm um, lining up my values. Well, we're all filling in the blanks. Uh, we, we, I hope you filled in your blanks. I hope you got that. I hope you uh, think about these things. I hope that as you walk out of here, you realize, hey, um, I'm making choices. I'm filling in the blanks. Am I honoring Jesus Christ? Am I honoring those around me? By choosing the values that line up with the life of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, here we are. Uh, we're still in front of you. You still know everything. You still know my heart. Father, we so long to be able to say, for to me, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And Father, we can be overwhelmed by the immensity of what that means. How am I going to honor you? And how am I going to do, take the things that have not been honoring you and change them so that they are honoring to you. Lord, uh, sometimes we don't even know how that's going to happen. But Father, thank you that you've promised to give us your life. You've given us your spirit. You live your life through us. And therefore, we have the strength to do this, not in our own strength. Uh, Father, Paul says right in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, he who began a good work in me will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, these are promises that are all built around this statement to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So thank you that we don't do it on our own. Father, we lay our lives before you and pray that you would help us with intensity and integrity to live out the identity of Jesus Christ that you have given to us. And we ask this in his strong name. Amen. Let's stand up together and sing of Jesus. <laughs>